Good morning and welcome. Happy Monday. Happy Columbus Day. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, the physical delivery of wealth insurance. It is what we do. Nobody does it better. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The website at allamericangold.com. We have pictures up today from the Freedom Summit, which was the was it last weekend? A little over, yeah. About 10 days ago, the, the Freedom Summit that was here in Phoenix. I know a lot of you uh, that were at the summit uh, will be able to download those pictures right off of our site. It goes to our Facebook site. Uh, we also added our podcast to Facebook. We're slowly but surely getting around to the to the new technology you know we we have our podcast we we put it up on youtube now it's out on twitter uh now it's out on facebook so there's just all these different ways for you to stay in the know and we'll say this i think the only thing not open today is the mail and i don't know if the banks are open uh wall street's open the gold markets are open all the markets are open uh, you know, that didn't used to be that way, but now I guess people are even uh, covering up Christopher Columbus statues. I mean, why not? Well, we'll just cover up all the statues of, of everybody in history, and then nobody will be discriminated against. Uh, really, just it's crazy, right? A world gone completely nuts. Uh, gold and silver uh, continuing their rebound. Uh, gold's up nine. Silver's up uh, 15 cents. Is that 15 cents? Am I right on that? Uh, make that, I'm sorry, make that 13 cents on silver. Uh, the Dow and the NASDAQ are higher. The S&P is lower. A couple of things we're going to focus in on today. Number one, and I didn't get to it yesterday, we're going to go what cities in America are facing huge economic trouble. In addition, you know, we we know the bigger ones, right? We know the ones that we've talked about, but this is a pretty good list. We'll get to that today. Was there something? Is that was there? We remember yesterday, or yesterday. (laughs) Man, it's Monday. I got to start all over again. Remember Friday. For those of you that maybe didn't listen to the show Friday or had things going on, The government reported that we had lost 33,000 jobs uh, in the month of September. Of course, they blamed the hurricanes, and I was kind of going on a rant that apparently the city of Houston and Florida account for all the job growth in America. Well, there was another piece of data in there, and it had to do with wages. Now, remember, this has been a big sore spot for the Federal Reserve because wages aren't rising even though their their wonderful economic formulas say that it should be. Well, there was a rise in wages in Friday's report. Now, I made an assumption that, well, they, they lost all these restaurant and retail and right, maybe all the all those negative jobs, maybe it was all the crappy jobs. Right, that was kind of what I was thinking in my mind. Well, you know what? Maybe they just 
We didn't hire any of the the low-paying jobs. Come to find out something even simpler than that. The BLS has errors in its data. I know, go shocking, right? I mean, they use Excel spreadsheets. And within these spreadsheets, you would think there would be, you know, formula so you'd eliminate human error and you'd have it protected. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with spreadsheets now. You know, and you could have the cells protected so you, you can't screw up the formulas and all of that stuff. But apparently, the of course, it's the government. So why would we expect them to, to do anything uh, like that? But we're going to go over that, what the data what the data actually was versus what the BLS said it was, and then uh, they took it a step further. And this was not my research. Uh, I think it was Harris, but when we talk about it, I'll give the credit where it's due. They actually requested from the BLS, right? They showed them the evidence and said, hey, can you get back to us on this? And, of course, uh, as you might expect, nothing yet. I'll follow I'll keep on it. But as of yet, the, the BLS has yet to respond. And, and I don't know. Could it just have been an error, right? Some employee who somehow was able to unprotect the spreadsheet and accidentally typed in there and all. I guess. Yes, that, of course that's possible, right? We could say it, may, it was just, you know, someone made a mistake. Of course, they made several mistakes. Or is it something far more sinister, which is, hey, listen, we need the number to say that it's this, so let's make it happen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who the, I wonder who the BLS reports to, because the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they're the ones that put out uh, the data. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about also what may be happening or not happening with all of the jobs on Friday. Uh, 100,000 restaurant jobs disappeared as well. Uh, Bloomberg actually took the time to write a big article about it. So we'll talk about all of those things and the national debt. Just uh, about $30 billion away from $2.4 trillion, or $20.4 trillion in rising. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Wouldn't it be great if we could just take all of the survey data and all of the textbook formulas for how the economy should be uh, should be performing and just use those because if you just use those things would be great confidence is at all-time high for the millionaires and the billionaires right on all, all that stuff and we're having a manufacturing re, uh, re- renaissance and all this other stuff you hear and then but then when you look at the actual data None of the stuff they say is actually happening. So on last Friday's government jobs number, the the Bureau of Labor Statistics and people are they're they're questioning whether this was an accident 
if it was something more deliberate. So here's what happened in, in the in the release. They said that the average weekly earnings rose a whopping, of course, whopping, you know, 2.9%. That was for the year, right? So if you took 12 months, uh, you, you got almost a 3% raise, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. What made that impressive was that it had only been at 25 before the release. So that was a huge jump in a single month to get it to 2.9. On the surface, this was a great number. Matter of fact, they had people talking about rate hikes and and. You know, the Federal Reserve, you know, you had, I'm sure you had some Fed governors, right, thinking, man, man, I'm glad that number came out. Now maybe uh, the formula is going to work the way it was supposed to. But there was a problem. And, And, you know, the funny thing is, is this was actually found the same day. But yet you didn't see it reported on on the, the idiot box, right, the, the, the stock channel news, right, because they don't want to tell you this stuff, right? I, I didn't see it come across Market Watch or CNBC and, you know, breaking, hey, issue with BLS data or, or any of that. But the guy that found it, Andrew uh, Zatlin, Andrew Zatlin, he's from South Bay Research, okay? Now, South Bay has requested from the BLS, hey, can you help us out here? And here's what they found. In the total private average weekly earnings, okay, so total private average weekly earnings, showed a solid two-tenths of a percent increase month over month. And that was an upward revised revision from the previous month as well. So the previous month was a tenth. They said, nah, that was actually two-tenths. And this month is two-tenths. It has become clear that the BLS fabricated the number. Now, I'm not going to go that far. I don't know if they fabricated it or not. My gut tells me they did, right? But I wasn't there. And and may simply have hard-coded its spreadsheet with the intention of goal-seeking a specific number. So, in other words, what they're saying is, did the BLS succumb to pressure from the Federal Reserve to disable or break the spreadsheet formulas and then hard code in a number that the Federal Reserve wanted them to do. So here's what they sent to the to the Bureau. Okay, so now they have all of these tables. And I'm going to tell you as a person that has actually tried to go through all of this jobs data that the BLS spits out. Okay, It's spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet. But in table B3, 
which was in the jobs report, for the average weekly earnings for goods producing and private service producing industry. So that's essentially the private sector. There's two subsectors that the BLS breaks down. So in other words, these two subsets roll up into the big number. And there's only two. So it's not, really, it's not very complicated. So in the private line, there was a negative eight-tenths and a negative one-tenth. So the two subsets in the, in the goods-producing components, one was negative eight-tenths, one was negative one-tenth. Now, I know that it can be difficult, but when you add two negative numbers together, right, you don't get a positive. <laughs> you know, when you have a negative eight-tenth in one subset, a negative one-tenth in another subset, the number doesn't go up. If there's only, if that, if there was more subsets, maybe they were down in these two, but these other three went up, you could get a No, it wasn't. But after both subsets reported declines, the Bureau of Labor Statistics said it increased by two-tenths of a percent. Now, I don't know how much the eight-tenths and the one-tenths equal, right? Maybe though there's more people with just the negative one-tenth than the negative eight-tenths. But if it was balanced, the decline would have been about four-tenths, four-and-a-half-tenths instead of up two-tenths. Goods producing weekly earnings declined from $1,118.68. Okay, listen, these are detailed numbers. The BLS said it fell to $1,109.92. In other words, it lost, it wasn't easy, but you lost about $9 a week in the goods-producing weekly earnings. Then the other subset, private service providing weekly earnings. So the private service providing jobs, that was down a tenth, from $868.80 to $868.18. So not a huge drop, but still you're down 72 cents. And yet the BLS said when they added the two numbers together, they went from $907.82 to $909.19. And then they went on and said, you know what, we tried to figure out where the $907.82 came from. And as they went back through the BLS's stuff, they found where somehow this number keeps appearing over and over and over again. And, of course, they sent the information to the BLS. They have yet to hear back. But the one thing that seems to be clear is, at worst, we've got a formula error, which you would think there would be, you know, little things that would pop up 
saying, hey, you know what, that can't be right. They both subsets decline, so you can't have the the roll-up category be positive. But yet there it was, essentially taking all of the gain that we saw in alleged wages out. I'll wait to see how it comes, but as of right now, the BLS has yet to respond. Uh, but but you know, again, credit to these guys, credit to their research, credit to South Bay who went in and said, hey, listen, again, almost without exception, every time we find these numbers, we when we look deeper into them, they start not to make any sense. Then Bloomberg wrote this article over the weekend. The 83 months, so 80, 83 months, that's a long time. So that's 6.9 years. Right. So, essentially, since 2010, the payroll employment gains in the restaurant industry appear to have been broken. Well, and really overall, right? Because the the number for the first time in seven years, the government said jobs created for a month was negative. The announcement also by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And, of course, leads me to remember what we talked about Friday. How could that be true? What else is broken in all of these numbers? They say they will be revised away in the coming months. And in any case, it's more likely due to the two big hurricanes than any type of economic slowdown. So no one pay attention, nothing to see, right? That was kind of how they spun it Friday. Whatever the number was, let's blame it on the hurricane. There was one aspect in the report that they couldn't take their eyes off of. And again, this is Bloomberg. Justin Fox is the guy that wrote about it. A single sector. Food services and drinking places. Okay, that's how the when the BLS when we talk about restaurant jobs and we you know we talk waiters and waitresses right bartenders. This is where they go. And another spreadsheet from the BLS: food services and drinking places accounted for all the job losses and then some with payrolls declining by 104,700 jobs in a single month, which means that all the other sectors added 71,700 jobs, which would actually be miraculously right in line with about what they expected the number to be. So why would this one sector be so dramatically affected, right? Is the Houston area and the state of Florida, are they like the especially restaurant and bar heavy economies? It really, when you look at it, not really, right? Food service and drinking places make up only a slightly higher percentage of payroll employment 
in metropolitan Houston, metropolitan Houston in the state of Florida than the nation as a whole. And probably more for Florida, right? Because Florida is touristy. But they say it's only slightly more than the average of the whole rest of the country. A plausible, a plausible explanation has to do with how employment is counted. The household survey from which the unemployment rate is derived, remember the unemployment rate fell two-tenths, even though we went had minus jobs, showed gains in overall employment in September. It was only the establishment survey, source of the non-payroll numbers, that employment declined. Here is what they noted. So the BLS noted noticed this one. And this is kind of where we got this problem, right? They don't notice the wages number, right? They, even though it was it stuck out like a sore thumb, they didn't notice that one. But they noticed this one. And they made a comment about it. I'm going to read you what that comment was. And then see how that really jives with everything else. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Today we are observing Columbus Day. Christopher Columbus is one of the very few people who have a holiday, and I think he deserves that honor. He wasn't a saint, but he was a hero. Columbus was one of the greatest seamen in the history of the world. Any competent sailor could have departed from Spain and reached America just by sailing west long enough. But it's unlikely that any others could have found their way back to Spain or could have returned to the same island on later voyages. One of the famous lines written by the songwriter Ira Gershwin is, They all laughed at Christopher Columbus when he said the world was round. I suppose you can call that poetic license for a musical comedy, but it's important to know that that line is a lie, and it's unfortunate that it appears in many school textbooks. Of course Columbus knew the earth was round when he set sail from Spain to the New World. All educated people had known that since ancient Greece. They just didn't know how big the earth is. Columbus certainly did not set sail believing that he was going to drop off the edge of the earth into outer space. Columbus was a man of great moral and physical courage. Again and again he faced mutinous sailors, armed rebels, frightful storms, and dangerous Indians. He was also a man of deep Christian faith. He believed that God intended him to sail the Atlantic Ocean in order to spread Christianity. What a person believes is what determines his interpretation of life and history and inspires his vision and purpose in life. Columbus believed that he was obeying the mission God staked out for his life when he set sail west across the Atlantic Ocean. Columbus's voyage to America was one of history's most important events. It led to lasting contacts between Europe and America and opened new windows. 
To few men in modern history does the world as we know it owe so great a debt as to Christopher Columbus. 2017 marks 50 years of the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, mailed, broadcast, and posted online to millions of Americans eager to follow her traditional conservative perspective. We continue that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com, archiving the past, addressing today's key issues, and staying alert for the future. So bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Pedro Radio News Hour, our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. And we're trying to just, trying to make sense here. That's all. We know from looking at the data presented by the Bureau of Labor Statistics that the earnings numbers that they released on Friday appear to be incorrect based upon the data that they have showing in their spreadsheet. Then we start to call into question what happened to the 100-plus thousand restaurant jobs. For this one, the BLS said, oh, well, we know we were going to get questions, so we're going to answer it. Right? They, they didn't do it on the, the wages number because remember, that, that's what the Federal Reserve wanted. So here's what they wrote about the difference. Remember now, when you look at the jobs numbers, there's two different surveys. The BLS is used for number of jobs, right? And it's also wages, so jobs, wages. Household survey is used for unemployment. The household survey said unemployment fell to 4.2%. So the BLS, here's what they wrote. In the establishment survey, okay, so that's the, uh, the, the, the BLS survey. It's the establishment up here. <laughs> that's a good word. The establishment. Employees who are not paid for for the pay period that includes the 12th of the month are not counted as employed. In the household survey, a person with a job are counted as employed even if they miss work for the entire survey reference week. So they they reference one week. The week that they referenced happened to be September the 12th. So apparently, this is another thing that we, we must believe, that only the bars and restaurants couldn't open. <laughs> right? And those workers did not get to go to work. But everybody else did. Right? The retail store workers went to work. The supermarket people went to work. Right? The the accountants and the businessmen, they all went to work. It was just the bars and the restaurants that didn't go to work. If food service workers are 
more likely than those in other sectors to miss out on a, on a paycheck when their workplace is closed for the week, assuming that it was closed, then the payroll numbers, I guess, would, you know, that would make sense. Maybe, I don't know. Florida and metropolitan Houston account for just under 9% of the National Food Service and Drinking Places employment in August. So when you look at the city, you know, remember I was saying, hey, do they count for it all? They, they're saying here, and, and Bloomberg saying, hey, they don't even make up 9%. After the big gains in July, it prompted me, again, this is Justin Fox, a former Harvard fellow, by the way, to observe that food service and drinking placement employment was on track to pass manufacturing employment and that it had added more jobs in 2017 than any other sector of the economy. And it accounted for more than 40% of job growth in some metropolitan areas and it did not seem worth at least contemplating whether something more may be afoot. So as of July, and remember we talked about this, I mean I broke this down for you. Without bars and restaurants, right, there'd be no recovery. That was kind of the weird thing that stuck out. But then things started to get a little soft in August. And now September's number comes in even softer yet. And according to this guy, he's saying, hey, it may be something much bigger than just a hurricane. TGI Fridays and Applebee's and, and their ilks are struggling as the American middle class and its enormous purchasing power withers away in real time. With the country's population dividing into two vast class of low-wage earners who cannot afford to indulge of the sit-down meals of chilies, mix-and-match fajitas in a Coke, and a small cluster of high-income of high households for whom a Jack Daniels sampler platter at Friday is no longer good enough. So you got the problem. The vast majority of people can't afford to go to Chili's, and the people that can, hey, that place isn't good enough. As for the explanation of why these restaurants have subsisted in a dismal and persistent state of decline, this makes a lot of sense. The real estate bust, bust and the reception pushed tens of millions of Americans off of, <laughs> well, put them on the brink. Let's put it that way. But casual restaurant declines have accelerated. And it is apparent in the previous chart, this was also, by the, by the way, put out by the BLS, spending on food services and drinking places does seem to have plateaued 
this year. And that the Russell 3000 Restaurant Index, which is dominated by McDonald's and Starbucks, is down 5.5% from the all-time high hit in June. Anyway, long story short, Florida and Houston did not account for the loss of 105,000 restaurant jobs. My question is, where did they go? And if we didn't have those jobs, and if inflation, if raise, if wages really didn't rise, then what is the true state of what it is that we're looking at? Here we've got a new deficit now getting ready to go past $20.4 trillion. I mean, think about it. It's only been about 30 days since they lifted the debt ceiling. And it seems like every week we get a big number a week in house. How soon till 21 trillion? Now, for years, I've been warning about debt. I've been talking about how we have a lot more to worry about than just the national debt. And how all of these cities and states are racing to bankruptcy and nobody's talking about it. And I know some people, ah, you know. I'm just trying to scare you to get you to buy gold, or I'm, you know, and people say that a lot. Ah, he's just trying to scare you. Well, let me ask you: If I'm trying to scare you, why would J.P. Morgan actually produce a list and trying to show? And they, now, of course, you know they're big customers; they get privy to this. For those looking to escape the trauma of being taxed into oblivion by their failing cities, counties, and states' pension debt, J.P. Morgan has provided a comprehensive guide of which municipalities have the slightest hopes of surviving their multi-decade debt binge and if you live in one of the cities in red listed below, it's time to start looking for another home. And so in their list, obviously, number one, without surprise, Chicago. Right? And, of course, we know all about Chicago. Number two on their list, well, uh, number two on their list was Dallas. So Dallas, Texas was number two. And we've talked about already their pension problems. Number three on the list, which caught me totally by surprise, Phoenix. And remember, I've been telling you how we've been balancing our budget here. We just keep underfunding our pensions every year. Number four on the list was Pittsburgh, followed by Houston, right, the city that just was flooded, Uh, Cleveland, Oakland, and then who's this, Cincinnati, the best city, by the way, Uh, well, okay, so Shelby, Tennessee, Suffolk, New York, 
and uh, Bergen, New Jersey. And I've been to a few of those places. You don't want to live there. <laughs> but this is the list that J.P. Morgan put together, and they show all these cities and all these states and all of their abilities or inabilities to actually pay for their debt. Other cities on the list, Austin, Texas, Baton Rouge, Fort Worth, Jersey City, Atlanta, Sacramento, Minneapolis, Los Angeles. You know, basically places where people live. And you start putting a number to it, and it really is getting hard to, to see how any of this is going to work out. And you start thinking about, we've got a national debt now of $20.5 trillion, closing in on $20.5 trillion. We are running trillion-dollar-a-year deficit. And then they talk about GDP growth, and you think about if, if the states were funding their pension, and if the United States was running a balanced budget. <laughs> where would the economy be? I don't even know where it would be. I mean, right now we spend a trillion plus more than we bring in at a national level. And then you look at all the states and the cities and the counties and all the rest, and it's really hard to come up with a way of how all of these are getting going to work out, but you can look at it for yourself. Compliments to J.P. Morgan for doing the work to put it all together. And you think about, listen, the cities and the states, they benefited from the same policy that the federal government did. Remember Nelson Peltz, we talked about him on Friday, he says, why would we raise rates? <laughs> Don't people know we owe $20 trillion? Raising rates just makes it even more expensive. And I thought to myself, man, that just makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But then this also makes sense. We, we've been talking about the dollar and what's going to happen. You know, the dollar's had a little relief rally here, got down to 91. Uh, Feltz and others are saying, hey, the dollar's got to go lower. And then... When we look at who's buying what, news, whether it be China, Russia, all of these things where the Chinese now have the ability for you to buy and sell oil in renminbi and or gold. And then the, the numbers came out that the Russian Central Bank continues growing its gold reserves and they said that in the second quarter alone Russia consumed 38% of all the global gold reserves and that between the Russia, Russia and Chinese buying they, they say that Moscow at least what they're saying, the, the Chinese mainland is reporting that Moscow will replace China as the fifth largest gold holder by the third quarter of 2018. Now, we know, though, however, that China, what, doesn't really update its gold holdings that often. 
And they are saying that China, which has been the biggest producer of gold for the last 10 years, aims to increase its annual output by 500 tons. Where do you think that gold's going to go? Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. Final segment here on this Monday. Wendy and I are working on the metals program. Uh, we It'll be close. We, we, we'll be real close to having them all out this week. Uh, there may be a few that run into next week, but uh, once we, uh, and I apologize uh, for the delay, just there's a lot, lot to do, a lot to get out. But uh, post office is closed today, you know. So there's we can make a lot of excuses, but we're, we're we'll get there. We're getting there. Uh, so if you're waiting on those, uh, hopefully by by sometime next week you'll all have them. Uh, quick look here at the markets. Like I said, gold uh, recovering again, up another nine today, twelve hundred and eighty-one dollars. Uh, silver's up thirteen cents, sixteen dollars and ninety-two cents. Uh, the dollar is down again today. The dollar got all the way above 94. And that was early Friday morning on the great wage inflation that, at least as of today, we found out uh, probably doesn't look so great anymore. Uh, the dollar is down about 15 basis points at 93.64. So still you know, well off of its low. Remember, it got all the way down to 91. Uh, and I think that's probably just a small reprieve as we continue the trend here. Uh, Dow, the Dow down seven, the S and P and the Nasdaq uh, both down fractions. So not not a lot of big moves. Oil is up thirty five cents. I'm going to give you a quick opportunity to take advantage uh, of this pullback. Uh, uh, you'll notice online, you know, I've got all the prices updated for today. Yesterday or Friday, we had $20 gold pieces at $12.95. I'm going to honor that price uh, for the rest of the day. So you're looking at about $14 over spot. Uh, U.S. $20 Liberties and Saints at 800 951 And again, hopefully we'll see. I'd love to see the BLS give us a response. I doubt they will. But it would sure be nice if we knew what was really, really going on. Uh, tomorrow, I will say this, we are going to talk about one of the biggest money makers for the bank. When you think about what are some of the biggest money makers that the banks have, we're going to talk about uh, that tomorrow and really what it means and how did we get here and all of those things. And, and I would like to know, would it be in put into the inflation category? If something costs more, maybe that should be in there. I don't think that it is, but we'll have to find out. So while you think about it, see if tomorrow if you get the right answer. One of the most profitable items in the banks, you know, when they come out and they release their earnings, what is it? I'm going to tell you what it was, what it used to be, and, of course, how the heck we all got here. But you, you probably already know the answer to that. 800-951-0592.
U.S. $20 liberties, you're going to save $20 on this Columbus Day. You know, think about it. I know that Christopher Columbus probably wasn't the first guy here, but he was the one that brought everybody else, right? Patriot Radio News Hour. Everybody have a great day. Happy Columbus Day. We'll talk again tomorrow.